everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Home Lifty Podcast. I'm your host, Luke, here with my co-host and consigulary Carter. And we got a really special guest today. I'm going to fuck up your name, man, but Mark D'Am- D'Ambrosio. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Nailed it. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even say it right. <laughs> <laughs> Anything would start having hyphens and shit. I'm just like, oh no, we got problems. But uh, Mark's well, coming. Okay, took it out, so I took it out. There we go. Mark, uh, you, some of you guys might actually have seen Mark. Mark was on season seven of Alone and then Alone Frozen. And uh, he's got a background in the Marine Corps, Force Recon, Scout Sniper. So we're really excited about this guest. Kind of covers every aspect of what we do here at Hunt, Lift, Eat. Checks all the boxes. So, Mark, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. So let's jump right in. Uh, you know, let's start with kind of your background. You grew up in the outdoors, hunting, Marine Corps. You know, let's just kind of touch on that. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Florida, so some people don't consider that the outdoors, especially when it comes to hunting. But and I grew up like hunting, like you know, with feeders, and they're pretty much large dogs. Um, the turkeys and the pigs, you know, that was legit. But the deer hunting was just preferred. It just wasn't my style with using feeders and stuff. Um, I understand it's an East Coast thing, but I grew up doing that from pretty much ten years old until uh, about twenty-two, and. That's really what got me into the outdoors. I was always on the lakes fishing, uh, bass fishing or in the oceans, deep sea fishing and uh, pretty much whitetail turkey pigs and stuff to that and squirrels. Right. And uh, joined the Marine Corps at 22. Uh, like you said, uh, I went to the reconnaissance route and the scout sniper route. Um, did that for almost 10 years. Uh, one of the highlights of doing that was working up at the Mountain Scout Sniper Course, instructing guys that were already snipers how to be proficient in the mountains. And then the Mountain Survival Course, which is where I really grew a passion for instructing self-sustainment. <clears throat> and then, you know, I got out of the Marine Corps in 2017 because I couldn't hear well enough, so I couldn't be a recon Marine anymore. And started my own business, teaching people shooting, survival, um, self-sustaining in the mountains. And... Really, that stuff is um, where my passion is, is teaching people how to truly self-sustain in the mountains, which means it's not just as easy as, hey, rubbing sticks together and lighting fire or, you know, uh, how to shoot a rifle. You've got to do all the aspects from clothing to being out in the elements, actually putting people through it. Um, And that's, you know, I got in the habit of teaching people just skill sets individual skill sets, not really giving them qualifications. Um, started working at a five-star ranch in Colorado called Branded Rock Canyon. And I, I was running their shooting program and teaching the, you know, the wealthy how to shoot rifles. And, you know, it's just the passion for what I teach. Like I want to be able to give someone a qualification. I want to make them deadly and self-sustaining in the mountains. And I wasn't doing that there. I was just, you know, Hey, let me teach you how to shoot a fun gun. And this is, this is really fun. And, uh, from there I started my wine business, uh, the woodsman selection. And then from there I started the new program that I currently do, which is called mountain program. And it's a ridiculous year long process to go through. So self-sustaining in the mountains. 
That's awesome. That's we got a lot to unpack there. So I want to I want to roll back a little bit to uh to when you were a, a sniper or sniper instructor at the Mountain Course, and you know that's something that I don't have. I'm an officer, so I don't have any background. They don't let us you know touch the guns, uh, and so you know what what are the biggest differences and like some tips that you could give give our listeners to you know if you're coming, you're used to you know even out west, and maybe you're you, zero at, at 200 ready to go shoot out to 400 but now you're going out and you're, you're dealing with some steep elevation either shooting high angle up high angle down what's some you know a couple tips and tricks that you could give folks you know and i know that there's a lot that goes into it but just kind of the wave tops for some of yeah, that yeah absolutely i would say anybody taking any rifle not a precision rifle just any rifle shooting up in the mountains in crazy terrain um one if you don't have the ability to dial or do holds with your optic because let's say you got an inexpensive optic then just zero your gun for 300 yards and then see what you can get out to let's just say you have a regular crosshair reticle zero your gun for 300 yards and you should be able, be able to hit let's just say a, a mule deer a 10 inch target anywhere from zero uh, depending on the caliber all the way out to about 400 yards um, and stay within that kill zone Really the slower calibers, like your 308s and stuff, you'll get out to like 350, 360, but there are some really fast calibers you can get out to about 400. So one, zero the guns for 300 yards. Two, learn how to use a tripod. You know, a real quick setup for a tripod and then um, practice setting up your position. So if you had to practice one thing, like say you can shoot, you've got that all locked down, you've got your ammo picked out, you got a precise gun, you could have the most expensive setup in the world and you go to set up for a shot and it takes you 12 fucking minutes to, to get a shot off. And this is where the old school mindset of, hey, setting up on your pack, setting up off of a tree, really, uh, it, it is a better method to use if you set up fast and you just get your shot off versus letting that animal get away because you didn't do anything. It is a matter of um, really balancing your wobble zone with what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. But to be able to practice, hey, if you got a tripod, practice taking it on, putting it on a tripod. If you have shooting sticks, same thing. And find out, you know, hey, maybe my max distance is 400 yards. Maybe I'm not gonna dial or do anything. I just wanna be able to, you know, let's say we're shooting at an elk, 18 to 20 inch kill zone. Then I should be able to hit that elk easily out to 400 yards with any caliber and I should be able to set up fast. And we're talking from the moment you spot your animal at 400 yards, you should be able to get two shots off within two minutes. And that means setting up, getting everything perfect, getting your range down, um, making sure he was he's within that max point blank range, which is you know zero to 400, and then taking your shot and then racking that bolt and taking a second shot. So practicing that, because how many times we always go to the range and we shoot, take our head off the gun for some fucking reason, like we have, you know, vision that can see that far, which we can't. Um, we always take our head off the gun, we look down range and we get back on the optic. So stop doing that and start setting up tripod, getting your shot off, racking the bolt, or if it's a semi-automatic, just getting back on the gun and firing that second shot after you've observed it immediately. Because let's say you're shooting an elk with a small caliber, which some people do, which this elk was shot with actually a 6.5, right? Just to prove a point. 
But uh, if you're shooting with a smaller caliber, you need to put 280 grains in that motherfucker before, you know, is 280 grains, which is 140 and 140 of 6.5 Creedmoor, is better than 200 grains of 300 Wimag. You know what I mean? So um, regardless what caliber you're shooting, you need to be able to get two shots off quickly, within five seconds. And really from the mountain course, man, that is where the five-second rule really came into play because the wind is constantly changing. So if you're trying to shoot an animal, you need to shoot, rack it, and then while that animal's moving or jaw, you know, taking off, you need to be able to put another round in that animal. If it drops or just doesn't move, put another round in it immediately. But if it's standing up, let's say you didn't spine it, and it's standing up, you need to put a second round in that animal because um, these things are tough. You know, sometimes you get a perfect shot and it'll go 400 yards on you. Well, that's all great stuff. I know Carter and I are probably over here jotting down notes because that's that's all really good. <laughs> you got anything, Carter? Yeah, Mark, I wasn't planning on asking you this, man, but you got my wheels turning. I got an antelope hunt coming up this fall and my first elk hunt in November. Um I've only carried shooting sticks, like a bipod shooting sticks. If I was going to graduate to a tripod, um, do you have one you recommend? Yeah, man. Unfortunately, I'm using all of my tripods right now to hold up my laptop, but it looks like a <laughs> cluster of tripods here, but uh, like two vets. So you've got, when you start going to the professional tripod and shooting precision rifle world, you've got a lot of different options and it can get confusing. Um, Really right stuff has made awesome camera equipment. They make awesome tripods. They're just really expensive. Um, Two Vets is a veteran-owned, veteran-ran organization. Great guy. Um, makes an amazing product. I've been shooting off it for the last two years, and I couldn't be any happier with this thing. Now we're looking at about the 650 range for a tripod um, versus the 1000 to 11 1200 bucks range for really right stuff. They're carbon fiber they're lightweight. You know, before that I was shooting Spartan precision equipment and <clears throat> I just can't justify shooting a Spartan precision equipment because they're so light. They're the lightest and they're really neat because you can use them for walking sticks. But I shoot precision shooting or I teach precision shooting and I need to be precise, meaning I'm going to carry that extra pound of weight for my tripod because when it comes down to that shot, like, Yes, it's only like shooting is, you know, Kalen Wojcik says it best with modern day sniper. He's like, um, shooting is 5% of a sniper's job. But when it comes down to that 5%, it's 100% of your purpose, right? And some shit like that, I probably butchered it. But, you know, <clears throat> um, that's true. So, you know, I started thinking that mindset. I'm like, all right, I'm going to weigh out my underwear. How much does my underwear weigh? Three ounces. Okay, well, mapping a GPS weighs three ounces. Okay, well, I can ditch my underwear. I don't need that if I'm worried about weight. And I started getting real picky with how much everything weighs. And I look at my rifle and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to spend 10, 11 grand on my rifle just to get it to weigh under, say, nine pounds. Um, a precision rifle under nine pounds to do everything I want to do. I want a cheek piece. I want a adjustable butt stock. I want a Arca rail. I want a, a, a heavy barrel on it. I want a magazine. Like all these little bougie things that aren't really that important. I want to be able to shoot elk out to 700 yards. That's my max. And I want to be able to shoot mule deer out to 500 yards. That's also my max. And I base that off of how big the kill zone is. So whenever I want to shoot an animal that far, I need to be, I need to have quality gear. Um, I need to be able to be stable. 
because um, in order for me to reach my max distance, that max distance is only good with a stable platform. So two vents, tripods, amazing tripods. Um, I put them through the ringer there. When I say the, like the extra weight, I'm only comparing it to one other tripod out there. And when it comes down to it, it's only 10 ounces heavier. It goes flat, so you can use it as bipods. And I don't need bipods anymore. Super neat feature on that. Um, these things, some of them have adjustable columns, some of them don't, you know, it's for that quick up and down adjustment, but they're just fast to set up and it's a good qual and they look sexy too. I think, you know, that's important to note. So, you know, <laughs> if I had to recommend a tripod, um, hundred percent two vets for the price, the customer service, the quality and the light and the dirt, lightly, how lightweight it is. So. Hell yeah. Love that. Looks like I'm dropping $650 in a couple of days. <laughs> Man, and here's <laughs> the thing, like for all the car. listeners out there, for all the listeners out there, like if you're not planning, if you're living in Florida, Alabama, East Coast, East of Texas, you don't need to, you might not need to go out there and spend that kind of money on a tripod, right? You can go to Cabela's and buy whatever you're shooting off. Just practice with it. Just get proficient with it. But if you're going to spend two, $3,000 on a gun, Minimum, like you need to go out there and you need to put 600 bucks into the tripod because these hunts, man, as you guys know, these things are not cheap out here. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting worse, <laughs> getting worse. Yeah. And that's the problem too, is once you start getting into the, the gear, then it's just another rabbit hole. And then I've got bougie taste. I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, yeah, I want, I want good gear, but that is, uh, Carter, you haven't seen this yet. Mark sent me no. a picture of this when he was building it. He's, his, <laughs> for those that are, can't see it, he has his wine on tap built into his elk. His elk is a wine keg. I wanted to make sure that's what I was looking at, man, not an optical illusion. That's <laughs> fucking badass. <laughs> it's a pedestal mount, bull elk, wine keg on, on draft. It's, it's super cool. Bring it in here. Got the bullet coming out. I got the wines down there, you know. There's my different oh. wines that stack up in there. But, yeah, you know, it's just a, a tube going through the elk pretty much. That's awesome. That's so yeah. cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I will say for all the listeners out there, if they're looking at doing this, whenever they're getting their mount done, just tell your taxidermist that <clears throat> this is – you can either pay me $5,000 and I'll do it for you or I'll just give you this real quick tip. Um, tell them to put, uh, you know <laughs> – like a piece of PVC pipe going through it and a big piece of wood that you can mount this to, you know, your, uh, your spout. And then it's a matter of figuring it out with some hose in the back and some argon. If you're using wine, if you're using beer, I mean, I think wine is probably the best thing out of this because it looks like blood out of the kill zone of an animal. Um, and it actually is pretty classy. It's pretty fancy when you pour it. I was expecting for it to be kind of gruesome. And I was like, man, this is, this is nice. Um, yeah, you look classy. I've, I've seen it done with a uh, with beer coming out the ass of a deer one time, and I was like, "Man, that's you know, that's a, that's a different story right there." Not as classy. <laughs> no. Speaking, I think you probably are the classiest guest we've ever had. I think you're the only guest that's ever had wine on the podcast. Yeah. It's always beer. Wine company, you better drink the wine. That's awesome. <laughs> Let's. Uh, Let's jump into uh, to alone. We got to touch on that, and then uh, and then we can roll into you know wines fresh on the mind. But you know how did how did that come about? You know was that something 
you were kind of recruited for? Did you see the application or watch some seasons and you were like, man, I can do this. I can do this better than these guys. No, I never, I never even thought that. Like I've, I've watched every season from when it came out, when it first came out, I was working up at Bridgeport at the mountain worker training center. And we saw this thing and me and my buddy, Jerry, we were like, Oh my God, this is, this is good because it's real. Yeah. Um, 10 items. That's realistic. I like that. You know, the way they do it with the clothing, like, you know, Hey, you're, you could be on a boat in Alaska on an Island and your, your comms go down, your boat doesn't work. Now you've, you're left with whatever you got. Right. Um, so I really liked the way that alone was, um, structured and I was watching it season after season and my buddy, Donnie dust, he went on season six and you know, he, he called me up after he was, I was, you know, after he was on it, he's like, Hey, I just put your name in for a recommendation. And I was like, Oh, hell yeah. And they contacted me and, you know, I, I sent in some videos for it. Um, so I was, I skipped from like 32,000 people applying to like, uh, like 200 and I sent in the videos and then it got narrowed down to about 40 people. Um, and then they chose from that 40, 20 people from the videos. Um, we went to New York, we competed, we didn't really compete. I don't want to say that we, we showed them what we could do. Right. And then they picked 10 people out of those 20 and all, all 20 people, like they're almost all pretty, really good people. So it must've been a tough decision for, for that production team. I was the happiest you could ever imagine someone being when I found out I got on this thing, because, um, I don't really give a shit about being on TV, but I did give a shit about being able to go out there and have a safety net there in case something was to go wrong to push yourself as far as you could push yourself. And man, I got lucky. We got the coolest location. You know, we, uh, we had seen it in the past on season six, right? So you get to learn from these people like, okay, I know this is in the area. That's in the area. Um, but just such an amazing location. The bugs were only out for about four or five days. And then it was just amazing from there on out. What was the, you know, you, you were doing pretty damn well. And then you caught, it was trick, right? From salmon. Yeah. Say trichinosis. That way people don't think I got like some kind of STD. <laughs> See, trichinosis. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I, think I didn't like even know you could. Like, trichinella or something. But uh, no, it was, <laughs> I ended up getting trichinosis from the fish and it's a pretty rare thing to get. But uh, I had no idea you can get it from salmon. Yeah. Yeah. And it, this, these were lake trout, but I do say salmon is like, it's pretty, comp it's like the same damn thing. Nice red meat. It looks just like salmon. Um, but these are just giant lake trout. And the only way that I can think of that you get it from it is that lake trout had to have eaten a mouse or a bird or eaten a carcass of an animal that had it in order to get it. Um, it could have eaten another fish that had done that, but Regardless, it's such a rare thing. I wouldn't be cooking my fish any other way in the future. I'm going to cook that medium rare. I'm going to live my life and enjoy it. Um, but yeah, like it's a pretty rare thing, but trichinosis, I was, I was living it up, man. I was, uh, I had about, I caught two to four fish. Like I know people say this shit, but like at least this big, at least this big every single day, um, two to four fish. And it got to the point on day like 21 or 22 where I was like, I'm about to pull my gill net out of the water because there's like me trying to keep up when smoking this much fish was ridiculous. It was a constant fire. It was constantly, you know, um, filleting fish constantly just, I mean, it was just ridiculous, um, how much fish there was. So 
It was cool though, you know, I was never hungry. It was delicious. Figure out a lot of ways to cook fish. Yeah, man, you crushed it. That was freaking awesome. That's my wife and I's favorite show. And, uh, you know, man, do you still have like a good, good feelings with that, with that show? Like it was a good experience overall. Oh yeah. In hindsight. Like alone, the actual show alone, I absolutely love it. Alone, Frozen, there's probably a reason why they're not doing another, another season of that. But like alone, the show, like it's got all my respect in the world. And I went out there, I did it. I got trichinosis. I pro- I would say that I'm the closest they ever had someone coming to dying other than like maybe getting attacked by a grizzly bear. Right. But like for an illness or something like that, I'm definitely the closest. Um, and it was, I mean, shit, I can talk about having trichinosis. It's a cool experience, right? It's a, I lived through it. I didn't have any long-term side effects. And the yeah. reality is, is it's, it's moments like this where you go out there and you push yourself and you learn from it and you fail and you learn from it. And so me getting trichinosis, I'm like, well, I don't care what you are. I'm going to cook you super well done from now on if I'm in a survival situation and I have to, and it's not a game, right? Um, but yeah, that's a good experience. I loved it. That's good to hear, man. Cause I freaking love that show. I'd be crushed if it like, wasn't everything I thought it, I thought it was from, <laughs> From is the couch as, le- side of as legit as it gets right and people always wonder like oh will they come out there and what do they do, do they talk to you they don't fucking talk to you that's they awesome help you out any bit. they they go out there and this is the like the reality behind the scenes you get there about two weeks prior they got to teach you how to use a camera the basics and stuff like that you go out there and they, they start showing you, hey, here's the plant guy. Here's this area. Start getting familiar with it. It's up to you to go out there and start getting familiar with your area. Not the area you're going to be in, but the general vicinity um, where the, the base camp is. From there, you're like, all right, I've gone through my gear. I've made my last final decisions on what I want to bring. And then you head up and they push in a helicopter or a boat. They take you out to your location, drop your ass off, and you are by yourself. And when I say by yourself, I mean... That's the beautiful part about it is being completely alone. And it's not a scary thing as long as you're comfortable being by yourself. Now, if there's polar bears out there, I'd be screaming a different tune, right? But like when you go out there and you're completely alone, that is a sense of peace and uh, something you just can't get very often unless, you know, you're hunting. And even then, sometimes we got our cell phones with us or, you know, I don't know. Um, but Going out on like a 10-day hunt or a 20-day hunt, that's like the most, the closest thing I can think of to being that alone. And most of the time when we're doing something that long, we're doing it with another person. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but like my archery hunt that I have coming up in Pagosa this year, I always do an archery hunt and I always do it in Pagosa Springs. Um, I go by myself. I've taken people the last two years and this year I'm just really excited. I was going to take my five-year-old son, Max, um, just so he can kind of get out there. But, you know, um, I'm ended up going by myself this year and that right there, that's like my decompression. That's my church being in the mountains by yeah. myself. That's it. So. Yeah. I get yeah, that, man. that sanctuary feeling for sure. Yeah. It resonates with us for sure. You know, and, and speaking of Max, you know, that talking about resonate resonating, like I had you when my wife and I started watching uh alone frozen i was like oh mark's gonna crush this i was like he got sick on the last one like he was thriving and then you know and it's been a long time since i've seen it uh but you know it was a couple days in right and you were just like 
No, I'm done. I was I was literally like 10 seconds in and I made that decision, but you know, people don't know <laughs> that. So we were flying around on the helicopter and you gotta understand that everybody when we were going out there, we were stoked. We were like, hell yeah, we get to go out there. It's only 50 days. We've all done close to 50 days before. And you're wondering why it's a 50 day challenge. And you're like, why? It doesn't like, okay, you're passing the alone season nine people, you know, and you're flight in, you're seeing their locations. You're like, this is going to be awesome. And there was a lot of issues with alone frozen on the way they did it. I would say personally poor planning, but when we dropped me off, I mean, I had cabin cabin and I had a small area due to cabins that were in the area because you can only put people in so many places. Right. And so in order to keep the integrity of the show where you're out there, you're by yourself, you don't have, you know, access to anything. They had to really narrow down. Um, the reality just wasn't there anymore. There's a lot of rules put in place. I was in a bog and I was like, man, I would never stay here in a million years. And I'm talking to the pilot as the bird spinning, and he starts telling me everything there. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I was like, dude, this is going to be a short trip. I'm not going to go out there and just starve to death. Like, you know, and so I'm looking at my area. I was like, you know what? I'll give it a day. I'll go and check my area out and I'll see what's there. Because who knows? You, you see it from the above and you can make your assumption, but there might be some legit stuff there as far as food, um, water, fire, firewood, and all that stuff that you need. And I got out there. And I was like, this is, this is an absolute shit show. This is, this is strictly a suffer fest, which there's an aspect to that, that if you're mentally prepared for a suffer fest, then absolutely you can go out there and do a suffer fest. But when you go out there and you've done alone before and you think to yourself, Hey, I know what I'm doing. I've proven it to myself that I know what I'm doing. You kind of made a comment earlier, like, Hey, did you think you could go out there and do better than everybody else? Dude, I didn't know if I would last a day, five days, 10 days. I didn't know how long I would last when I went out there and did it the first time. And, and be happy. And I think that's an important part about this is like, you know, first time I did it, I'm out there day 34, all happy all the way up until I started not being able to breathe properly. Um, and so I'm doing it up to 34 days, having fun, loving it, being by myself, singing ridiculous songs. And then when my health started deteriorating, which I didn't even know it was my health. I just thought I was tired, thought I needed more blueberries in my diet. Um, you know, I just, I was like, dude, I can't keep going. I was dragging the sticks. I'm like, ah, I can't do this anymore. Um, so I tapped alone frozen. I'm out there and I'm like, there's nothing here. And I stayed out there, gave it two days, three days. And I'm like, you know what? After that, I was like, no, I'm not giving up my time to go out there and starve and sit out here for 50 days. Even if I was to make it to the very end. Right. And for after taxes, you're getting about $300,000. I'm like, I get it. To so some people, 300 grand to go out there and starve and be miserable, it's a lot of money. But to me, if I spend 50 days dedicating towards a business, that can, I mean, I've just, it just wasn't worth my time. And as far as the challenge of challenging myself, like I want to be catching fish. I want to be trapping animals. I want to be shooting stuff. I don't want to be out there going, man sitting there trying to conserve energy, um, wasting my time because in a, a realistic survival situation, I would have just walked 
about a mile back. I would have put my shelter up about a mile back near a lake. Um, I have water. There was food back there. But, you know, for rules and regulations, we had to be on the ocean. We had to be, you couldn't fish the ocean because of the, uh, the tides and how shallow it was where we were. So I was like, man, I could sit there and eat clams all day or I could sit there and just, you know, call it. So alone frozen, um, it, if they would have prepared a little better in my opinion and put us in spots where there weren't people or buildings or whatever, I think that would have worked out uh, a lot better for them and for everybody. But, you know, I left, then I saw uh, Greg on day six stick his head out. I left on day five, and Greg stuck his head out on day six. So he's like, you, he was like, you too, eh? I was like, this is ridiculous. He's like, he's like, yeah, save it. He's like, I'm not going to go out there and spend my time in a place like this. And I give it to Amos and Callie and, you know, Amos, I don't know, 18 or something days like that. And Callie in the 20s, high 20s, and Michelle into the 30s, and then Monia. Like she stuck through all the way to the end. Good for her, man. She like, obviously she's a tough cookie. We knew that from season six. Um, she's also an awesome individual. And for her to stick it out and say, you know what? I'm just going to stick it out. And even though it sucks, cause I talked to her about it. And she was like, you know, she had contemplated like, oh man, this is not worth it. And then, you know, she had a talk with herself and was like, I'm just going to keep going. Whatever. Screw it. Um, I gave her a lot of props for that. So. That's super cool. You mentioned like, and I, I, I want to be acutely aware of everybody asks you about alone all the time, but I just fucking love that show, man. But, um, you know, you mentioned like trick influencing your, you know, survival maybe, uh, experience, right. Um, after that, like, I'm all right, I'm going to cook my fish a little more, you know, how else did that show impact your understanding of survival and your understanding of kind of the human endurance there's there's so many things that you learn through books that bullshit right it's yeah. <laughs> like or not yeah. important or the skills <laughs> that we focus on um i think the biggest thing is if somebody wants to truly be proficient in the outdoors just go out there and be outside um and with whatever items you want to have right um being able to do the most with the least is always preferred. But, you know, firewood, for example, if you get thrown into the mountains in the middle of winter, like, or, or just before winter hits, and you've got to build a damn shelter, and you've got to find food, you've never been there before. Talk about, holy shit, worst case scenario, right? Um, you don't have a firearm. You're dealing with a stick and a, you know, string. Then, and in most cases, if we are bow hunting, like how many people are bringing out that many, well, even nine arrows, in my opinion, that's a lot. And I can't think of when I'm, with a compound, I'm sure as hell not bringing out nine. With the traditional bow, I might bring out five arrows, maybe two, two for birds or small game. But, you know, we got nine arrows for that. So I look at it and I'm like, well, traditional bow versus a compound does have its benefits when it comes to hunting game, right? Um, it's not as precise, but I also don't have to worry about jacking up my arrow when I'm trying to shoot a squirrel out of a tree. I don't have to go to full draw if I don't want to. Um, and I can stump shoot. I can go out there and shoot at stumps and really get proficient, like while I'm back there just practicing. 
But then again, if a moose comes in at 40 yards, I'm not going to be able to get a shot off like, you know, I would with a compound. So, you know, the show and like the skills that I learned while I was out there is like, oh man, how much time does it take to gather firewood for this much? Like it is ridiculous. And hey, what kind of saw do you have? And do you know how to sharpen a saw? Because most people don't know how to sharpen saws. I still to this day, I don't know how to sharpen a saw blade. Why? Because that's like an art on its own. Like chainsaw, absolutely. But a, like a saw saw, I'll just buy a silky boy saw where I don't have to sharpen it. And it'll last me a long time and it'll stay sharp for, well, at least I know 44 days, right? Um, but, you know, you start looking into this. And if you're going to go, your plan is during the apocalypse to run up into the mountains. I, I strongly advise you to <laughs> spend about a month in the mountains chopping down trees with an axe and cutting it with a saw. You know, that might make you go, oh, shit, maybe I should get like three chainsaws, have a hundred gallon fuel can back there. So this could last me a long time just for cutting firewood because it sucks. And if you guys are watching this, I'm telling you, it sucks really bad cutting down firewood every single day, even for a small fire. I mean, there's a lot to go there. Yeah, fire, man, firewood. Jesus. I love that you talk. I was going to ask you about the firewood because as I, you know, I've grown up cutting, cutting wood and, you know, uh, our hunting cabin in Virginia that we have is all wood stove. So the only heat and electricity and like, I, I just always think about that. It's like, 80% of your day is probably just gathering wood, gathering wood, just prepping. Like, yeah, you're, you're checking snares, but you're gathering wood. Like it just gotta be so redundant. You're just day in, day out. And there's, there's probably something that's really cathartic about that. And, you know, it's therapeutic to where you can just get into that kind of routine and rhythm and, you know, but I also think after a while, you're probably like, I'm tired of fucking getting firewood today. Yeah. I literally had dreams about like somebody like bringing in a load of wood. Like, can you bring in a quarter wood? I would have dreams about food. <laughs> I would have dreams about somebody bringing in firewood. And I'm like, oh my, like life just got so much better. And that's where it comes to like, if you do have a cabin up in the woods and you plan on like, I don't know, bugging out to there or just living up there for the winter, you don't want to be cutting wood. Just cut enough wood for the, at least two winters while you're up there. So. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the wood would definitely be one of those things that if nobody, if you never, you know, had a fire, you, you don't realize how quickly you go through it. I mean, we just had a thing with our a bunch of our guys from the team here with HLE, and I mean, how we were staying up all night drinking beer and burning wood and went through it fast. So it's that's one of those like little things that nobody talks about, nobody thinks about, and I'm sure there's a, a host of just little lessons learned that you're like, man. Should have, should have thought more about that one, but like it, you know, if you're going to build a, a survival shelter too, with, you know, having your fire going, um, most people, I would say almost all people, they don't spend that much time keeping a fire going inside of a shelter like you do when you go on alone. And the reality is, is you build up so much sut all over everything. I mean, I was, I had caught my shelter on fire and I was taking so many measures, preventative measures, um, getting rid of all the sut placing rocks up top to prevent sparks from going. But the reality is like, if you've got a survival shelter, you've been in there for 30 days, you might need to take the layers off where your roof is and put new layers on where it's green because that stuff just dries out and it's just a tender box. You know, a most, he caught his shelter on fire, couldn't stop it. There's a lot of people that have caught their shelters on fire and we watch it on TV. And we're like, oh, they just fucked up. But the reality is, 
it's a tinderbox. So if you're going to um, build a survival shelter or a survival cabin, you need to have either metal around it or you can't have a roof that is flammable. And, you know, that that's it. I mean, the firewood, yeah, you, you're going to go out there and you're bust your butt. But if you spend all that time gathering firewood and you burn your shelter down on day 30 or 40, that's a pretty hard day being out there in the middle of winter and having to rebuild your shelter. Like I, <laughs> I only had to patch it, but still it was, it was enough work that I didn't want to do. How much did the isolation screw with you or it, or did it? No, man. Well, you know, you think of Maslow, like Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs starts off with all the basic stuff Your, you know, your food, water, and shelter, and you don't care about anything else. Like I didn't care about my son. I didn't, when I first got out there, did he go through my head? Absolutely. But I didn't, it wasn't a priority. It was, I need to feed myself. Um, I need to get water. I need to have warmth or else you will die. So you think about those things. And then once you start getting those things in a rhythm and you get them all locked down, you get food, you get fire and you get water. And you start thinking about what's next in life. You know, you're like, huh, I can have a trigger or I can have my kid. Right. But I mean, like, regardless, like you, you start thinking about family, you start thinking about your relationships. Um, and it does get to you, but my son was only a year old at the time, which they're worthless at one, right? They're cute, but they can't even, like, my son couldn't even walk at that time. And I was like, ah, he was not going to remember it. It was a lot easier for me um, being that young. But some of the other people that had, like, two-year-olds, man, that's crazy because my son's going to be five in September. And I look at him and I'm like, I have this deep passion to, like, be with him, right? And... If that was the case, it would make it 10 times harder. And all these people that are like, oh, you know, they either don't have kids or maybe they're just bad people. I don't know. <laughs> um, like if they're if they want to sit there and say, oh, I wouldn't, you know, I would put that behind me. I've done deployments. I love that one. I've done deployments. That is completely different than doing a, a show, doing a, playing a game. Um, if you've done deployments and you've given up that time with your kids, it kind of makes it that much worse going out there yeah, and giving up that time that. with your kids again. And you're like, this is for what money? And you start, you know, you know, it's not about the money. It never is about the money for most people for Roland that won season seven. It's a hundred percent about the money and he's a tough son of a bitch, right? Like good for him. Um, <laughs> that was one like, of the coolest things I've ever seen when he killed yeah. that that uh, musk ox. <laughs> yeah and uh but for a lot of people it's about that journey that adventure going out there and shoot, just spending the time by yourself um <clears throat> showing your kids what you can do and, and how to have fun in the outdoors so but it's you know proving it to yourself if you've never done it before like i've never done it before you can sit there and talk a lot of trash about how well you could do on a loan and like me, right? I could sit there and be like, Oh, I would crush it. Never in a million years would ever say that. And they try to get you, the, they try to pull that out for, of you and like for the show. And I'm like, piss off. Nope. Not coming out of my mouth because like, I don't know where I stand on this. Um, so yeah, I mean, the isolation, it, it gets you, but I only pulled out the picture of my son every 10 days. I looked at him every 10 days and 
I would think about them, try to think about them every 10 days, or, I, you know, I would, it was on day 10, like 10, 20, 30, and 40. But other than that, um, <clears throat> you know, hey, how to get more food, pretty much, after you get your shelter built, how to get more food, and firewood. Yeah, that makes total sense. And, you know, it, it's different, obviously. I've never done the the alone thing, but I've got a two-year-old son right now. I've got a baby due any day now. Uh, and it does, it just changes things, you know, and when they get older. I was deployed for nine months. I got back in December, so whatever that math is. And it's a little easier, but then, you know, he, they start getting more mobile. And that's when our job starts to come into play as dads. And it just changes it. And I remember, you know, if I had, before I had kids, if I had watched, you know, you and uh, you were on Frozen. You were like, oh, I'm, I'm not leaving my son. I would have been like, guy's been in the Marine Corps. He's done deployments. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, go get, you know, after I had the kid, I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah, I get it. You know, like, yeah. if you don't have to be away, like, there's not, there's, there's not a pro- you're never going to get that time back. Like, 300K to miss however many days of your son's life. <sighs> well, and it's people priceless. look at it and I'm, and I'm like, hey, you know, I, I, Part of the reason, absolutely, was for my son. Obviously, it's a TV show, and they're going to show whatever they want to show. Yeah. But, you know, a big part of it was it's it's not worth it because of the location I'm in, the, uh, the assets that I have in my area. That's why it wasn't truly worth being away from my son. Like, I'm not going to go and starve and show my son, you can just be miserable and do it for money. No. You know, that, that's not a lesson learned at all. If they want to learn, if people want to learn how to be tough, right? I think that um, toughness doesn't come from going out there and just suffering. Um, it can you can you can become tough from suffering, absolutely. But there's also if you don't have to suffer, right? If there's no lesson here, if it's just for money, I just think it's kind of ridiculous to do it for that reason. And since none of us that did it, it was it wasn't for the money. Alone Frozen, there weren't there there was not a single person on Alone Frozen that did it for the money. Um and people always see the grand prize as like what's the end goal? That's the only reason why they're doing it. I'm like, please, we give two shits about the money, right? Um, but you know, being away from your kids, I knew that I was gonna be away from them, but I was looking at this as like a 50-day retirement thing, anyways. And I was like, hey, man, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do this one last thing for 50 days. You got to remember, like, this, the flack that I caught from my son's mother for leaving him for a loan season seven. I mean, I was the worst dad in the world, right? I, I was the biggest piece of shit for leaving to go do a dream that everybody has always wanted to do, live off the land. And so I came back from that. And I'm like, hey, well, you know, I'm here, you know start being a dad after that 50 days I was away for 60 days I was away. And then to tell her, Hey, I'm going to go do it again. You know, she just, you know, threw her hands up in the air. Like, Oh my gosh, you're ridiculous. Like, like proof is in the pudding. You know, you, when you start being called like a bad dad, it's like, Hey, there's one focus in this world. And in my opinion, for me, it's to raise my son. And for him to grow up living an amazing life that, you know, hey, how to be an amazing citizen of the United States of America, pay his taxes and do his job. Maybe maybe by that time when he grows up, you know, he'll be a rebellion. He doesn't have to pay any taxes. But regardless, um, <laughs> like, you know, like 
be something good in this world. And uh, outside of that, really, like, you know, I start my businesses. Why? To show him that, you know, you can do anything. Start up anything you want. Go and push yourself any way you want. You can do legitimately anything. Unless you want to be a brain surgeon, you got to go to college for that or a rocket scientist. But other than that, like, you know, shoot, sky's the limit. Yeah, that's the you know that's the perfect segue, you know, rolling into your into your businesses here. And so, you know, let's start with the uh, with the wine. You know, what what made you want to get into wine? What's your approach? You know, why wine? I've always had a, a, a deep passion for the outdoors and adventure. And while working at this five star ranch, this fancy ranch, I started getting a, an appreciation for wine. And I started looking at the two and, you know, all of my clients were drinking wine and um, I started looking at this lifestyle and it was kind of the, the celebratory drink, right? It really was. It was, hey, after a hard day of work, sit down, eat a meal, pair it with wine and <clears throat> um, that's a damn good night. That's a damn good meal. Any meal paired with wine, it's better than a meal not paired with wine, in my opinion. Unless you're an alcoholic, then I would just suggest not drinking wine. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh I got into it and I started putting bullets in the bottles. I was like, oh man, I like that. I think that looks super neat. And um, started working with my clients who all have these amazing wineries with fantastic wines. And I was like, hey, I'd like to mix and mix this this wine with something more, giving it more purpose. And so, you know, I made the bottles pretty unique by putting a bullet in 550 cord, uh, a fly in fishing line. The woodsman... Uh, yeah, you can kind of see it, but the woodsman right here, let's see if I can pull it out of here. So the woodsman's got an ax on it and then jute. And so that's actually a ferrocerium rod that you can start a fire with this bottle. And that's stuff so like that, where you can use the bottle of wine more than just a bottle of wine. Um, I started thinking, okay, well, that's cool. You can start a fire, everything's pretty neat, but how do I really try and get people into the outdoors more. And so I associated a QR code on the back and it came with a list of adventures and it pre-plans them out for the people. It shows you how to go do that adventure in the outdoors, whether it's starting a friction fire with sticks or it's, you know, a dinner sunset date. Um, it tells you how to do it. That transpired into giving the people these adventures in a box, in a subscription. Um, so that's where the entire adventure, like if you want the bow drill adventure, it comes in the box with a bottle of wine, the bow drill kit, the knife, the QR code that shows you the video on how to use it and how to do it. So it's just trying to push people to get outside more often. Um, it's tailored towards people that love America. It's tailored towards veteran people that love veterans and law enforcement. I've, I'm very unapologetic and I don't give a shit. Like, um, if you don't like America, then you don't drink my wine. That's basically the way that I boil this down, right? So um, my marketing is a little bit different in that aspect where I just, you know, have I care very little. So it definitely narrows down my, my target audience, right? Um, it's very, very narrow. But I think there's a lot of people out there that they love the outdoors. Once you've been out there, let's say hunters, for example. Once you hunt and you've hunted long enough, you realize that like hunting is conservation. Without hunters, you wouldn't have any conservation. 
And for the people that are getting into the outdoors, let's just say you hike and you're vegan. Like, <clears throat> nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with being a vegan. As long as, like, you're okay with dying in a survival situation. But, like, outside <laughs> of that, like... <laughs> I've used that, uh with vegans i'm like you ever watched alone like those vegans don't stay vegan very long <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> you know like, yeah when, when you know you're relying on the government if you're vegan hands down that's plain and simple you could be out in alaska growing your own crops you're probably relying on trading um but it's very hard to be vegan and for some people they do it for health reasons and for that absolutely right if you've got to be vegan or vegetarian for health reasons, I totally get that. Um, if you're doing it because it's a fad and you believe that you're, you know, you don't want to hurt animals, then I don't, that's not my thing. Right. <clears throat> and I'm not going to get I into venture that. to say none of our listeners are vegan. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. <laughs> but, um, you know, I got into this wine business to be able to, to give somebody a little bit more or a lot more than just wine, give them a sense of adventure in their life. And, that's why I came up with a picture frame. So, you know, my picture frame is uh, you're supposed to go out there, do an adventure on the list, take your cork, you know, after you do your adventure, you celebrate with a bottle of wine, you keep the cork, you put it into your picture frame with, and you take a picture of your adventure. Once you get all 10 adventures done, we'll send you the plaque that goes in the middle to say, Hey, you know, good job. You know, you went out there, you're actually doing this stuff. A lot of people buy the wine just because of the taste. And that's perfectly fine. This is a high-end wine. This isn't like a, a, a low-end grocery store wine. This stuff right here is 50 to 60 bucks a bottle, and it's 50 to 60 bucks a bottle for a reason. Um, I select the wine from all over the country. And so these are a lot of wineries that are uh, not well-known at all. Um, maybe they are well-known, but you know they're not getting a lot of attention and i tried this and i'm like man this is absolutely amazing wine and so you know people are gonna have to just trust them whenever they they buy a bottle of wine that well let's see what it tastes like and let's see where this come from but am i in my garage crushing grapes absolutely not you know i stick to what i know <laughs> um but <laughs> this is this is about giving people an experience and the cool thing is if you were to order their wine off of their website it's the same price Right. So I can go in here and I can give people the same bottle of wine with an adventure, with an amazing looking bottle to try and hopefully push more people into the outdoors. Because honestly, like I say, that the mountains are my church. That's where my purpose, that's where life comes from for me. Like, I don't feel like I'm living unless I'm in the mountains. Yeah, that, that idea is really cool. And it's, you know, it's, I haven't seen anything like it. Uh, you know, I'm already thinking like this is perfect for my wife's a big wine drinker and I, I've hated wine my entire adult life until I, that Europe d rotation I just did and I actually acquired a taste for it. So I'm looking forward to getting a couple bottles and it's just like an awesome little date night thing. You know, we go out, we grab the bottle of wine, the whole thing. We've got a cabin up in the mountains here in Colorado. We go up there for the evening and we play in the yard and then pop the, pop the cork, have a bottle of wine. I think that's such cool. And, you, there's multiple levels of this, of being active, being active with your partner, like having the whole thing, like you said, a meal paired, you know, especially with, you know, I love and 
you know, pairing since I've acquired the taste for wine, like just wild game meat and a good red wine is, is awesome. Like elk or venison is, it's just, it's the perfect pairing because you have that rich game flavor with a good rich bottle of wine. It's good. One of the really cool things with this is, uh, I'm Sicilian, but my buddy, Joe Saragino, he's as Sicilian as it gets. And he runs the little antelope pack station up in the Sierras. Been a hunting guy his entire life. He's got his cabin up there, which is where I go and I do a lot of my work. And I use him for all of my meals for a reason, because that guy can cook in the backcountry like it's no one's business. And so when when someone does the adventure subscription, they get a box of wine every three months. And it comes with the bottle of wine and then the adventure. So every three months, bare minimum, you're either going on a really cool date or like I did, I took my son Max out and we did the paint night adventure, right? And he's five years old or he's going to be five. Um, absolutely had a blast painting an image on the canvas. Um, the backcountry cookout, it comes with a cookbook, the grate, the tongs, the seasoning, everything. And then the instructions on how to cook a rabbit in the backcountry over an open flame. Um, and I use Joe to do that for a reason because, man, he'll make a wine reduction sauce um, the way he cooks it to, is to absolute perfection. And once you've tasted wild game or game over an open flame in the backcountry, like it doesn't even matter. Like if you were cooking it inside, maybe it's not that good. But once you're outside, it just becomes 10 times better. Exponentially, right? yeah. Right? And uh, yeah. so <laughs> it's 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 about doing that. And through doing this, we're also showing people, hey, you can do this. Oh, you think you're going to bring... You need a cast iron skillet, right? If you don't have a cast iron skillet in your house, like go get one. I mean, how cheap and easy is that to be able to feed yourself in the backcountry whenever shit hits the fan? Um, like, if it ever hits a fan, let's let's hope it never hits the fan. Just saying. Um, but you know the the adventure part where it gives everything to you. You know that's where really where I'm passionate about. So I get excited about. It. Dude, I love it, man. It's brilliant, and I'm a I'm a high school teacher by day and it's kind of like a little mini lesson plan with alcohol, which is pretty sweet. So <laughs> yeah. I dig it, man. And, and, and it's, it's a thing where like men usually aren't the biggest wine consumers. Right. And especially tough men, tough men that hunt men that do this is usually whiskey. Don't get me wrong. I love whiskey too. Like, um, 10th mountain whiskey has an amazing whiskey that I absolutely love. But for me to go from a mountain man, caveman status, to pick up a glass of wine, and to be able to do both, now I'm an elegant caveman, right? And uh, I think that <laughs> I like think that you be able to balance. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got a I got a couple bottles of your uh, Angler and the Woodsman in my cart right now, but. I saw I got to be home to sign for it. So I, I'm not going to order it. I'm not back in the States until the end of the month. So I'm going to order it as soon as I get back. So I don't want to miss that. Yeah. yeah it's, it's one of those things with wine. When you ship it, it's like, yeah, you got to be there to sign for it. It's kind of a pain yeah. in the butt. And then when it, if it gets shipped back, it's like, eh. But, um, you know, I got into my first grocery store uh, about six months into business, which I thought was pretty neat. And that really got my brain turning on <clears throat> how to be able to give people a less expensive bottle of wine in an aluminum bottle. And so that's what I'm working on next is um, there's a 750 milliliter aluminum bottle. Uh, looks like a wine bottle. 
that you can take into national parks, you can take it to beaches, um, you can take it into the outdoors. It weighs three and a half ounces, whereas a glass bottle weighs 14 ounces, between 13 and 15 ounces. And I'm like, dude, lightweight backcountry packing. I can go out there, kill an elk, slice off a little backstrap, cook it, bring my wine with me. Like it's a perfect way to celebrate um, a successful hunt. And uh, so that's where I uh, started rolling down the road of, you know, let's give these people in the grocery store something that they can be like, okay, 20 bucks, I can do that. 50 to 60 bucks, that's out of a lot of people's price range for wine. Um, and I totally understand that and I respect that. And this is not your $6 or your $20 bottle of wine. You know, this is, once you try it, I think a lot of people will be like, okay, damn, that is a significant difference. Yeah. That's we'll awesome. just so the, spend $1,400 bucks on a bottle of wine. You spend 1400 bucks on a bottle of wine, you'll never want to go back. And you spoil yourself. So. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably never going to happen over here. But what I what I like about it is you're not, and I think it's easier for a lot of folks instead of just you know me being like, oh, I'm going to spend fifty dollars on a bottle of wine. It's like, no, I'm, but I'm. You, we'll spend fifty dollars on a date night. No, no questions asked anytime, right? Like that's a cheap date night. As soon as it's about a hundred, hundred bucks, and so now you're getting the adventure you're getting, whatever the challenge you're learning, potentially a new skill set, and you're having the bottle of wine and now you're getting that experience thing. And I think that's what really is the, you know, my business brains turning. I'm like, that's, that's so cool. Like that kind of sells itself is like, you're buying the experience and then you get the wine included. I think that's really, that's really neat. Yeah. Thanks. So let's talk about this, uh, this year long looks to be a pretty intensive, uh, mountain, mountain what uh what did you just call it the mountain program yeah, the mountain program, the mountain program. Man, it's a, there's a book out there called like the one thing and i really need to read that more often because um, i'm really bad with getting passionate about the outdoors and changing people's lives for the better in the outdoors and so i started the wine brand and then i realized i was like man i've been instructing i'm teaching people i do have a passion for that but I'm just not getting what I need out of teaching people because they're not really learning. And so what I did is I developed the mountain program, me and a buddy of mine. And um, it's a year long process. It's four courses, in-person courses that are four days each. Outside of those courses, there's homework. Um, there's meetings every other week. Um, but there's a physical fitness program that's involved with it. The whole point of the course is to change somebody physically, mentally, um, to be able to sustain life in the backcountry. When I say mentally, I'm like, hey, you start learning the realities of what it takes to sustain life in the backcountry. And your mindset has a lot to do with it. When you start learning how to sustain life in the backcountry for an extended amount of time, you start learning how to deal with the relationships. You start not letting the little things bug you while you're in traffic. And so we started the most in-depth program I think it's ever been started for civilians at least. It's pretty much like you're going to selection for CAG um, or at a tier one level. And we're doing it for the people that really want to do it. And what I mean by that is the selection process to get into the mountain program is tough. There's a physical you got to do with your doctor. 
Um, there's a questionnaire you've got to answer. There's We've got to have some meetings with you to see if you're the right fit for it. Because we don't want somebody coming into the mountain program that says they want to just, let's just say, hey, they want to lose weight. But they, they've got the wrong attitude. Um, maybe they're not at the level they need to be to yet to be able to go through this process. Because the worst thing we can have is somebody quits the mountain program, right? Um, my client, Nick, for example, one of the first clients to sign up for this, 287 pounds starting off at six foot one. He's down to 240 or 255 pounds right now. He's been doing it for since June 15th. So like getting his weight down is a huge part of this, but also it's, he wants to learn how to like take care of himself if he's in the outdoors. Um, he's a huge hunter, very successful doctor. And to him, it's not about really losing all the weight, even though it's a perk of this for him. It's about being able to go and do things with his daughters. So for longer, to be in a healthier state for his daughters for longer. And, you know, he's 38 years old and to watch him transform and do this, like when we say we hold you accountable, means I hold you fucking accountable. And I'm the asshole. I'm the bad cop, right? We got a couple of the other instructors. They're good cops. They're, you know, they'll talk to you. They're um, Owen Mulder. He's, he's got his uh, degree in psychology. He also worked at a tier one level. He's an amazing guy. He's never going to sit there and yell at the clients. I am the hard skills guy. So I'm not your fucking friend. I'm there to teach you these skill sets. And if you're not learning these skill sets, I'm going to figure out a way to make you learn these skill sets. Um, but the mountain program is something that, whereas you do learn how to survive, you do learn how to shoot precision rifle. In order to be proficient in the backcountry and the mountains at the level we're talking about, meaning I give you grids and I say, all right, go, motherfucker. You got 60 miles and you got four days. Let's see if you can do it. You got to hit five targets over the 60 miles. You got to start friction fires. You've got to put up camp. You've got to cook in the backcountry. You're going to show me you can trap. You got to show me you can procure fish. Um, there's like the military aspect from the sniper side mixed with the expert backcountry instruction. So this program, uh, it was it took us about eight months just to put everything on paper to get it dialed in to be able to truly put it in the right order, giving people the right skill sets to truly be able to sustain life in the backcountry uh, for an extended amount of time. So the first three courses, they're all learning how to do these things. Um, for example, homework for these guys right now is, um, and, and it changes, but it's uh, build your own ghillie suit. We gave them a book they have to read, and then they've got a plot on Onyx Maps. Hey, go out there, plot a route, Tell me where you're going to go. Show me your route. Execute this route. And if it changes, let me know. But it's a certain distance that we gave them. So, you know, some of the homework that comes with it, it is meant to incorporate your family into this. So it's all about climbing Maslow's Mountain, what we call it, Maslow's Mountain, right? And we teach you the basics things. Like we don't believe in the mountain program that you can make it the top of Maslow's hierarchy of the niche, which is, which is, uh, self-realization, you can't make it there unless you've conquered the bottom ones first. And so we take you back down to the very bottom, no matter who you are, and we build you up to be able to hopefully 
have you up at the top of the mountain showing other people how to get up there because in life it's all about helping other people right it's about going up there living your best life being relaxed not being stressed out and in today's world with all the computers and technology that's a hard thing to do um so it's about balancing that with a you know here's the worst case scenario apocalyptic situation and whatever military situation and you know learn how to deal with it but the mountain program is insane i mean you know it's insane but at the same time it's very well thought out everything has a purpose um yeah the clients were going through something on the first course and they're like not understanding they're getting frustrated and then we tell them the why it's happening so everything has a reason in the in-person courses um, and watching nick lose the weight and watching uh, some of these other clients just change. It's absolutely amazing. We're filming all of it, obviously. But uh, it's rewarding, you know, going out there doing something and changing someone's life that truly wants to do something better with their life, either in the with the relationship status or like in their relationship or changing their relationship status for all I give a shit. Or like, you know, um, in their workplace. But you know, our goal is to put them through so many adverse conditions. So it's building resiliency through adversity, right? Hunters become very resilient because they've been put in a lot of adverse conditions, whether it's weather or terrain or no food or having to chop your own wood. It takes it back to a very primitive state. So, you know, for these people that are going through this for the first time, um, if they've never done anything like this before, It'll take someone with zero experience. I had a client that didn't even know how to put his truck in a four-wheel drive. He went from that to, I can navigate 30 to 60 miles by myself through the mountains for four days, carrying my rifle and my pack on my back, and I bought all the gear. I have to keep the weight under 50 pounds, you know, a realistic weight for hiking with a rifle, which is actually pretty tough. you got to spend some money to be able to do that. But... He can now self-sustain in the backcountry by himself. And I'm like, that's pretty neat. From a guy from SoCal that builds surfboards for a living. That's badass. Yeah. How many iterations? That's awesome. How many iterations have you guys run through? So um, I did one in 2021 to 22. um, And 2023 is really the first year-long process for these clients that's when we started the mountain program so we're in the middle of it right now um clients if they sign up they'll be signing up for 2024 to 2025 uh it starts in may there's a course in may probably a course towards the end of september i have to take hunting season in consideration for me because those four days can be you know very problematic for me uh and all my clients obviously that most of them hunt but uh And then, so September, October timeframe, December or January, and then one in May again. So, you know, they finish and they do their final course, but they go through every season in the mountains. And that's very important because whereas we might be proficient in the mountains in the summertime or fall, what happens when winter strikes? We're up in the Sierras and like last year, the Sierras got plummeted with snow. We got so much snow, it was unreal. Um, Best year to have a snowmobile, right? But uh for our clients that some of them like one of them is from mexico and he's like man i'm never gonna see snow in my life but i still appreciate having to jump into a a 
33 degree body of water that you just cut open with a chainsaw and just a pill to measure his internal, internal core body temperature. And uh, we've got a scanner that we check all the internal core body temperatures and he does a cold water immersion. And for people that are thinking like, oh, that's just like a polar plunge, no, piss off. And for, for all the people that are thinking like, oh, it's, it's like doing the uh, ice bath. No, it's not. Like we put people, uh, we get them down to try to get them down to the 95 degree internal core body temperature mark, which means true hypothermia to be able to learn how to deal with it. Um, that's why there's so many restrictions on who can do it. There's age restrictions. Um, 60 is the cutoff. I do have a client that's 67 years old and because of his, he's in great physical shape, um, he's able to do it. But these are things where we have to adapt this course and make sure he doesn't die. Yes, it's about pushing yourself, but it's also make, making sure nobody gets injured in this. Um, so, uh, you know, it's nothing that anybody can't do, but it's a matter of, is there some prep work to do the mountain program? One, um, whether that's physically or maybe that's mentally for you, right? Maybe you got to work on your attitude a little bit. Um, but yeah, if not, I'll work on it for you. <laughs> so luke are we doing it or what oh man <laughs> yeah i don't think i'd pass the the screening sound that sounds rigorous in of itself so you know what would that process be if anybody is interested um you know you mentioned that there's a physical and there's an application you know go into a little more detail on kind of what that that looks like and so what the screening somebody is. says hey i'm interested in the mountain program i'd like to change i'd like to be able to be uh, the best version of myself in the mountains you'd contact me uh, either intsurvival.com or the woodsmanselection.com i don't really care you can reach out to either one and <clears throat> from there i'll talk to you a little bit if i say okay yeah this seems possible I can send you the info packet. You can read through the four pages that tells you everything about it. Um, once you learn everything about it, if you're still interested, I'll send you the uh, the physical evalu evaluation that you need to have your, um, some questions you need to have your doctor go over with you. I'll send you the questionnaires, the personal questionnaires, um, the psychological evaluation. You'll send those back. We'll take a look at them. We'll have a meeting with all the instructors and then we'll go, okay, Hey, this person seems like a good fit from there. It's $25,000 deposit. So this isn't a cheap course by any means. Um, and now you're locked in for that next year. There's a couple of reasons. There's a lot that goes into this course, why it's an expensive course. Um, but it is also an entire year long process what I wanted to do in the beginning to make sure that people stayed on board. Um, <clears throat> let's say weight loss, for example, if somebody wants to do this, and they want to lose hundred pounds like Nick wants to lose. There might be people that have out there that have money. Great. You could have all the money in the world, spend 25 grand on a course and then just say, I'm going to quit. Well, it's not that easy because I put in a form um, and he, and him and his wife had to sign it. If he doesn't lose a specific amount of weight, by a specific time each quarter, then guess who shows up at his house? He's got to put me up in his house for 10 days at a time. And I'm with him from 6 a.m. till 8 p.m. He only eats and drinks what I say. I go to his work with him. And, you know, I am in this dude's life saying, I'll, I'll get you to lose a weight. It may not be the right way to get you to lose weight, but you'll lose the damn weight. Um, 
so there's there's things that are put into this that people start realizing, okay, if I do what I'm supposed to do, this can be an amazing life transformation, right? But if I'm lazy and I don't do it, and I think I'm just going to quit, there's no quitting in this. I mean, you can try and quit, but we'll show up at your house. Um, and we try to pick people that, like Nick, for example, he's a great example because he's he's overweight, but we we saw it in him from the beginning. Like this guy wants it. And to see this dude doing the workouts that he's doing and to push through and to send us the, the workouts every single day, it's like, that is inspiring. Absolutely inspiring. He doesn't know how much he's inspiring me and everybody else, whenever they see this guy, go through this transformation. So, you know, if somebody wants to do it, they contact us, we send them the information, we pick from that, um, we get their deposit. And from there, they're paid for, for the entire program. So that's how much the program costs. Uh, and then about two months prior to showing up to course one, we send them out a box. It's a welcome aboard box. It's got their GoPro in there. It's got the instructions on what they have to film. Um, their entire journey is filmed. Uh, it will be put on YouTube, right? So <clears throat> their entire journey is filmed. They get instructions for that. They get a heart rate monitor. So when they go through this, everything's monitored. Nick, for example, he's scared of heights. So... We blindfolded his ass on course one, put the heart rate monitor on, took him up to a cliff. And, uh, and really, he wasn't even at a cliff, right? He just thought he was at a cliff. And we start working on his fear of heights. We start working on people's fear of being in the outdoors. And where our goal is to be able to make you go into the mountains fearless and to be able to enjoy it to the max, right? To be able to go out in nature and be like, okay, I've got this and I feel good and I'm in great shape. And in order to truly do that, you've got to be in good physical shape. Does Nick need to be 199 pounds? Absolutely not. But does he need to be able to be in good enough shape to be able to hike 30 to 60 miles through the mountains in four days? Yes. And a lot of people hear 30 to 60 miles are like, oh, that's nothing. Motherfuckers, there's no trails, right? Like we're talking about side hilling. We're talking about going up and down. You're playing your whole route. This isn't like going on a, a hike in the mountains where we're on a trail. It's completely different. To hike seven miles in the mountains could be the longest day, right? With a 50 pound pack. So I think it's interesting when I hear people like they, they hear the 30 to 60 and I'm like, that's a long way. So I challenge people to, to go out and do 30 to 60 miles with me. Black Rifle Coffee went out with me in January, right? And they did... We were supposed to do uh, 30 miles. We ended up doing like three miles one day. And they were, you know, pulling their sleds behind them. They got skis on. They're like, what are we doing? Um, but we built a whole new appreciation for them in snow, right? And how, what it takes to truly move through the snow in the mountains. So the mountain program is a hundred percent achievable. It is there to change people. It will not be easy. Um, but it is exactly what I've always wanted to do for changing people's lives. That's really cool. And I, I like the holistic approach. That's something we're really big with here at, at HLE and just, you do, you have to fix every tier before you can, you know, go on to get that, the top, top of the hierarchy, you know, and, and it's good. And it's, it's good to have that approach. And I think, you know, a lot, a lot of folks might hear 25 K and be like, Holy shit. And I mean, it is, and I think there's sometimes there's something to be said for that too. It's like, it, if you're in that state in your life to where, you know, you are kind of 
not where you're supposed to be. Like you probably need an oh shit like jolt, and you need that big accountability piece of something that is that big, and then have folks that are like the instructors that are that willing to be that intensive and put that much time into the development. And you know, it's probably for folks that are a little later in life have you know financial situations that are a little bit different. But um, I think it's important. I think it's probably well worth it. And the, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, a guy that's the 25,000, if he's going to lose a hundred pounds, you know, it's 20, probably 25,000 for 10, 15 years of his life. He's buying back there. So yeah, pretty, I think, you know, pretty remarkable once the clients, cause you know, your food, your lodging that's paid for, that's taken care of, obviously um, the flights aren't, but <clears throat> once you start looking at it, you're like, okay, we're going to get you in the best physical shape you can be in. Uh, we're going to put you through a situation. Once you see it's a one to two instructor ratio. So this isn't like we're piling. There's only six people max allowed in this program per year. Um, so we're not in it to make a lot of money. You know, I sat here and started a wine business. It's like the worst business you could ever start. You know, like you want to know the fastest way to become a millionaire is start off as a billionaire and start a winery. But uh, like it's it's truly about being able to fund us to be able to push through all this because this is time intensive there's a lot of stuff that goes under this and when people start seeing that they're like like our clients now at first they were like ah it's kind of pricey and then they they saw it they're like damn you need to raise your rates i was like nope we don't need to raise our rates we need to keep our rates right where they're at um because our end goal is to get as many people to be able to do this as possible to be able to truly change people to make them i'm just building a tribe of badasses is all i want to build right um so that's what we're doing. That's really cool. I love it. That's there's a bunch of courses out there, but I think I mean that's the most all encompassing one. I mean, there's similar programs that cost the same, and they're like a weekend. You know what I mean? Like you guys are doing doing it over the course of a, a year, and the checks and the balances. I think that would definitely see the results. Um, that that would. I mean, that would just. Yeah, it's just that's just really cool. I, I haven't seen anything like that. It's a year long course. It's it's pretty wild. That's badass. Well, and the intention is everything, right? Like you've mentioned dozens of times, Mark. It's about helping people, right, and, and making people better. And that's that's the answer right there, right? That's the that's the fucking money maker because I'm sure you can go out there and do courses where you get your ass beat and you know get hazed and have a shitty time in the woods, right? I'm, there's I'm sure there's all sorts of courses out there like that, right? But that's only one piece of the puzzle. Um, I mean, the military is the the biggest organization that does that. Even in the reconnaissance or the sniper communities, they'll they'll sit there and they'll put you through things. And they're like, yeah, we're just making you tough, and they don't tell you the why behind it. And so yeah. with us, it's like, hey. <clears throat> We're not putting you in through anything that just to fuck with you. We don't haze people. Um, we sit there and put you through things like the hypothermia lab. So you know that when you fall through water, how to deal with it and yeah. how long you can stay in water, how to get out of it. Um, and we do it with you. Everything that our clients do, we do it with them. And every time we do it with them, we grow, we stay in shape, we stay better, we stay at our, our uh, maximum level. And or at a good level, right? To be able to sustain in the back country. And so everything has a purpose. That is one of the biggest things where people they hear the word survival and they start freaking out. They hear, hear the word self-sustainment, they're like, this sounds like a suffer fest. Nothing about this is a suffer fest. If you don't lose the weight you're supposed to lose, 
it will be a suffer fest because I'm going to show up at your house and it's not going to be enjoyable. And your wife's going to be yelling at you or your, or your husband's going to be yelling at you because this is for men and women. Either one can do this. Um, mostly men is our target audience, right? Just because naturally they love doing this stuff. But um, we do bring out certain women instructors for this too for certain portions of the course. So it's not like you're coming and every course you're getting the same instructors. Uh, we bring in professionals from all over, whether that's the special operations world, the alone world, um, we bring it, or even naked and afraid world. We'll bring in people that have specialized backgrounds to be able to fix people in the ways they need to be fixed, if they need to be fixed in certain areas. Nobody's perfect. We're not saying we're perfect. We've got things we've got to work on, right? Um, ourselves. And initially when we started this, we really wanted to call it like redefine and talk about how we're going to change men's lives, redefining the term man, what it means to be a man. Because like you were saying, it does have a holistic approach to it. Like when you go out there and you do this, you're not going out hanging out with a bunch of snipers and backcountry woodsmen and experts that are just with a macho attitude. There's meditation involved in this. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what do you mean? We're getting kind of hippie. But like the reality is, if you're freaking out in the backcountry, we might take you, we might take you and sit you by yourself, face you away, tell you to jot down and journal some. And just to be by yourself with your thoughts and explain everything. Um, so it gets deep, you know, it gets extremely deep. It gets extremely personal um, in this program. And some people, in order to change, like we, we thought that, hey, Nick's main thing was weight loss. Turns out it's something personal. I'm not going to talk about it on here or ever on the show, but like it's something else that he doesn't even realize what it is yet that we saw. And we're like, hey, we got to change this in his life first. Um, the weight loss, absolutely. That's a cool thing. But we really want to change this portion of this guy. And it's, that's where the customization comes in. When you go through other courses, there's so many times where there's 10, 20 people that you've got maybe one instructor for six people. And you're just going through it. But like, if you don't pass every task condition, we, I went pretty military on this, I'm not going to lie. But I gave him a task condition and a standard for every skill set, right? And I'm like, hey, if you don't do it for this task to all these standards, you don't pass. And so on the final fourth and final course, when they do their 30 to 60 mile journey, they're doing every skill set they learned in those other 12 days to show that they have 100% proficiency in those skill sets. Meaning if you can't light a friction fire, we've got a year to get you to learn how to light a friction fire. They do that in the first course. Um, and each course progresses with the skill set. So, you know, it's it's intense. There's a lot to it. Um, but there is a holistic approach to this. There's a different approach to this. Um, it's very thought out. And, you know, we're excited to be able to offer this to people. So. That's great. That's yeah. I'm uh I'm impressed with the course and just like the the level of depth that you guys are going to. I think that's really really cool and there's clearly a need for it, you know, that nobody else is is doing something with that level of uh just thoroughness across the board and that like holistic approach that I was talking about earlier. But, you know, we're we're rolling up past well past an hour now. This one was easy. This one went quick, Mark, and I really appreciate 
appreciate your time. I think we can, I told you the, uh, the other day, I was like, man, we'll, we'll talk about whatever, see how it goes. And if we run out of, if we need to, we'll just do a part two. And I think we could do a part two, talk about hunts you've been on, talk about all, you know, the way you train all sorts of other topics that kind of nest with what we do around here. So, you know, I, I really love talking about, uh, all of the hunting aspects on like precision rifle with a precision rifle or being in the backcountry and skill sets that your listeners can listen to that. I feel like I'm giving them something. Even if they can't afford to go through a course, at least we can give them something. So absolutely, you know, if you have me back on, I love to break down certain topics, either on precision shooting or packing stuff out for the backcountry. And just my approaches, a million approaches to do ways to do it. But uh, yeah, man, I'd, I'd love to do a part two. Oh, yeah. Where are you located? Are you in Idaho? Don't judge me. I live uh, 30 minutes north of Portland, Oregon. Oh, wow. Yeah. How's that? Listen, it's not bad. I live in Ridgefield, Washington. Um, and the neighborhood I live in, it's amazing. It's got American flags all up and down the, uh, up and down the streets. It's a really cool place. It's in between Portland and Seattle, but you know, they always say like, if you want to, I don't know, to be, you got to learn your enemies. Right. So I'm like all around and I'm like, okay, I'll just watch all these people, these interesting people. They're not my enemies. They're just interesting Americans that, uh, some of them are confused. And so, Either be an air marshal if you want to watch weirdos, or you can sit there and move near Portland, Oregon. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely line up another one. Uh, in there's a myriad of topics we could definitely deep dive into. I know Carter and I could both use some shooting tips, and uh, <laughs> or two years ago we both missed uh, mule deer in, in Wyoming, so we could use some yeah. some refinement there and. Uh, I'm always, I'm shoot, a, I love shoot, talking you, gear. You miss, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's real. Yeah. And so there, there's a, a bunch of rabbit holes we can go down, but we appreciate your time, Mark. And thanks so much for coming on Carter. You got any closing thoughts for us? No, man, I really appreciate it. Thanks for uh, fielding all the questions, man. And looking forward to chatting with you again, dude. Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. Where can everybody find uh, your social medias for your different businesses and, and <laughs> websites as well? The wine is at the Woodsman Selection um, on Instagram or thewoodsmanselection.com. And then if you're interested in the mountain program, it's on INT, India November Tango, survival.com. Um, either way, if you reach out to this, these are both small businesses, so you can find me, you can reach me, um, and then we can talk through either one of those. And then oh, yeah. Mark D'Ambrosio Official is my main Instagram page, but I don't really care too much about that. And if you guys haven't checked out alone, definitely go do that. What we'll do too before uh, when we have Mark back on is we'll we'll throw some Q and A out so you guys can ask some questions that you know we can bring on and, and ask Mark to deep dive either experiences with alone or in the military or just all of his you know wealth of knowledge for just backcountry survival and, and gear packouts and all that stuff. So, but as always, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. Thanks so much.